Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. I, um, I get to talk to you today about what now. You know, we are, um, have elected a new president, and um, I know some of you would say that's still up for grabs. We're not going to get into that discussion right now. Um, but regardless, we are in the state of what now? And if you have missed any of this series, I highly recommend you go back and catch up. I, am, I know I'm partial to Mel, but I believe he has done a beautiful job in leading us through this season and this time. And so I would highly recommend that you go back and watch some of those, um, some of those sermons. Um, so basically, the ground rules, for those of you who haven't been here for this series, um, we're, we're not booing, we're not clapping, um, we're not cheering, you know, all of those things. Uh, we are here to lean in to open our hearts to what God wants to say to us. And, um, and that's really my prayer for you today, is that you would have an open heart today for the Lord to speak to you. I don't know why else you would come to church. I, I, <laughs> to be honest, I, you're to be a participant. And be, part of being a participant in this service is for you to say, God, what do you want to say to me today? Not what do you want to say to her or him, but what do you want to say to me today? So the goal for this series has been the fact that we are going to disagree politically. I've seen your post on Facebook. I know we have people on both sides of the spectrum. We disagree politically, but we love unconditionally like Jesus loves. And that is what we as Christ followers do. And so the statement has been made throughout the series, will you filter your politics through faith? Or will you craft a faith that supports your politics? And so what now? Now that we, the election is seemingly over, I know many of you are disappointed. I know many of you are ecstatic. So we have people on both sides in this room. But what I want you to ask the Holy Spirit is, why am I feeling what I'm feeling? Like what's at the root of that. Why am I excited? Why am I disappointed? And allow him to speak to you. You know, I know that some are saying that they're worried that we're going to lose our religious liberty. Can I just tell you that the Bible shows we will lose our religious liberty. (laughs) That's what happens when we get closer to the end times. But that should not cause us to be shaken in our faith. Our faith is not determined on what the government does or does not do. Our faith is in Jesus Christ and who sits on the throne and who rules and who reigns. And so I have been thinking about, um, and I'm not preaching on this, but in my small group, we've been going on 40 days through the Bible. And so the last few weeks, we've been talking about Um, Paul and just the encounter that he had with Jesus, Um, but leading up to his encounter with Jesus where he was in the midst of persecuting Christians and dragging them off, and he was a a religious, you know, leader and um, thought he was doing the right thing. Um, Right before that, in Acts chapter 7, we see that Stephen, one of the apostles, was being stoned for, for his faith, what he was teaching. 
And Paul, Saul at the time, was right there uh, observing. And Stephen was being stoned to death. And this is my heart's cry. I'm not saying any of us are getting stoned to death anytime soon, praise God. But here is what our attitude should be, regardless. This is what Stephen says in Acts 7, 60. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. I don't know about you, but when I think about rights being taken away or my religious liberties taken away, that's not my initial response. But that's what the disciples show us should be our model. Lord, forgive them. And so um, I am just really at a place where, and Mel, Mel is too, and just at a place where we're calling upon our church to act like Christ followers. No matter what side you're on. We're calling upon our church to be the hands and feet of Jesus, no matter what side you are on. We're going to look at 2 Chronicles 7, and for those of you who have been in church for any length of time, you'll be familiar with one of the verses in this passage. Um, and so if you have your Bibles or you have the YouVersion Bible app, feel free to turn there to 2 Chronicles 7. We're going to start in the verse, uh, verse 12. But right before this, Solomon had built the temple and dedicated it to God. And then God and Solomon have this conversation. So we're going to pick it up in verse 12. And it says, Then one night the Lord appeared to Solomon and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this temple as the place for making sacrifices. At times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls or command grasshoppers to devour your crops or send plagues among you. Now I'm going to pause right there. Of course, back then they had to build temples and that's where sacrifices were being made to atone for their sins. But now those of us who are on the other side of Jesus dying on the cross, he became the sacrifice of our sins. And scripture now says that we are now the temple. We are now the temple, not a building, but we ourselves are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we see this in 1 Corinthians 6, 19. And then in 2 Chronicles 7, 14 is the more popular passage that, that probably some of you have heard. And this is going to be where we land today. It says, Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and restore their land. Now what this passage doesn't say is if those who don't know Jesus will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will hear and forgive their sins and heal their land. What it says is if my people... If we, as Christ followers, will humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins and restore their land. So the first thing of what now is we have to humble ourselves. 
Now, I don't know about any of you, but humility is not exactly easy. Like none of us like to say, I'm sorry. None of us like to say, forgive me. None of us like to say, I was wrong, right? We all want to be right. There's something innate within us that we want to be right. We want to be heard and we want to be right. And James 4, 6 says, he gives grace generously as the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And in 2 Corinthians seven fourteen, where it says humble, it's the Hebrew word kaunah, to be humble, be humbled, be subdued, be brought down, be low, be under, be brought into subjection. Hey, God is looking for Christ followers who will lay down their right to be right, who will be willing to say, my party and candidate could possibly be wrong. I may be wrong. My heart may be wrong. Or being willing to say, man, I acted foolishly on social media. Man, I responded to that person foolishly. It's being willing to say, Jesus, help me to humble myself. Jesus is the perfect model of humility for us. I mean, while he was being led to the cross, while he hung on the cross, he was nothing short of humble. He was the picture of humility, and he is who we should emulate. The second thing we have to do is pray. Now, a lot of us get this out of order because we just think, well, I just need to pray, but we forget the humility part. And so I believe that there's purpose in the fact that, that he says to humble yourself and then pray. And the reason is, is because it's getting your heart in a position to hear from God. It's getting your heart in a position to say, I am God. <laughs> no, I'm not God. I am not God, and he is. He is God and I am not. Humility gets us in that position where in prayer, we can switch our prayer from going into rants and using God as a genie in the bottle and to instead to say, Jesus, search me. Search me. See, prayer doesn't just change the things around us, it changes us. And that's what we want. We want prayer to change us. And so many of us don't pray. We refuse to pray because we are afraid of what God will reveal to us because we don't want to be humble. We want to live our lives how we want to live. We want to be angry. We want to throw stones. We want to do all of the things. And so we don't even go to him in prayer because we don't want him to change us. But the only way our land is going to be healed is if we allow God to do the inner work in our hearts. We as believers. The word pray in this passage is paulal, and it's to intervene, interpose, to mediate, to judge, to intercede. First Timothy 2, 1 through 2, it says, I urge you first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. How many of you give thanks for your enemies? How many of you give thanks for those that you don't align with? 
Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf. Give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is our calling. This is the what now we pray. The third thing it instructs us to do is seek God's face. See, when we seek the face of God, we're seeking his presence. The word face here is panim, and it's presence or person. See, seeking God's face means desiring to know who God is, who his character is, knowing what he is like, and having a desire to want him and to be with him and to be in his presence more than anything anyone else or anything can give us. See, it's being willing to to lay our wants and our desires aside and to want him and him alone. It's kind of like when you start dating someone for the first time and you're all giddy and emotional and and love and infatuated and all of the things. And guys, I know you get that way too because I've seen you. And so you just want to be with them all the time. You want to be in their presence, you know. But then the longer you get to know them, and when you get married, you're, you still have that honeymoon phase a little bit, but you start to notice that they don't squeeze the toothpaste the same way as you, and all the annoyances come up, and they leave their laundry on the floor, and all of the things. And you're like, I just need some space. I just don't want to be in your presence right now. I need to be alone. It's the same way in our walk with God. When we first meet him, when we first encounter him, when we first experience his saving grace in our lives, we just want to be with him. We just want to be in that moment forever. Have you ever had that experience where you just experience his radical love in your life and you just never want to leave? You want to be in his presence I remember that about 26 years ago, 20, 24 years ago, I had, was 17, I had just come out of a secret life of sin. I was broken. I was distraught. I desperately needed Jesus. And I remember being at youth camp and... I don't know, the Lord just gave me this picture as I was worshiping a little bit ago, but I remember being at youth camp and thinking, no one even knows what I've done except for like two people. And just being so lost. And I'm sitting in the back of this tabernacle, tabernacle, outdoor tabernacle. They have outdoor tabernacles in Texas in like 110 degree heat in the summertime. I think it's so they remind teenagers that how hot hell is. I don't know, but (laughs) we always met with Jesus because of that. Uh, But I was at the back of this tabernacle. We were in this time of worship and I just, I remember so vividly just kneeling on the ground by myself and just having this radical experience of God's presence and his grace and his mercy 
And I knew my life would never be the same. I knew my life was marked from that moment on to live for him and to pursue him. And I would like to say that it always stayed that way, but you guys, you have to practice being in his presence. We have to continually seek his face. And it's not necessarily this feeling all the time. But the fact is, is that if you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, his presence is with you. His presence is with you. And it's about saying, God, I feel like our world is falling apart. I feel like my life is falling apart. Or I feel like salvation has come. Whatever you're feeling right now. But Jesus, I want you more. I want your presence more. I want your, your, your Holy Spirit more. I want you more than anything you could possibly give me. In Psalm 24, three through six, I love reading David's Psalms because he was a man who knew sin. He was a man who knew repentance. He was a man after God's own heart. And he says in verse three through six, who may climb the mountain of the Lord, who may stand in his holy place, only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies, They will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God, their Savior. Such people may seek you and worship in your presence, O God of Jacob. I just have to ask you, do people know you're a Christ follower because of what you post on social media, like you declare your faith on social media? Or do they know you're a Christ follower because of the presence you carry? Do they know you're a Christ follower because of who you are? Because when you walk into a room, they sense that you carry something different. Because that's what God is looking after. That's what he's looking for is people who will carry his presence and not just post a scripture online to prove that they are. It's pure. It's personal. It's intimate. And you've all seen those people. You've been around them. We're like, they carry something different. They're the real deal. And you want what they have. The fourth thing that God instructs them to do is to repent. And you may be like, well, Kim, I don't really have any big sin. I know Jesus. He's my Savior. I don't really have anything to repent of. Well, good for you. (laughs) Wow, I'm so excited to meet someone perfect. Because I have to repent daily. I have to repent daily for wrong attitudes. I have to repent daily for a little anger that will creep up in my heart. See, repentance is simply saying, God, rid me of anything that doesn't please you. Anything. It means to turn. The, the Hebrew word here is shub, to return, to turn back. So it's not just flippantly throwing out, and I'm sorry, God. But it's allowing him to reveal maybe the things in your heart that you need to repent of, acknowledging it, confessing it, and then turning from it. 
and saying, God, I'm gonna walk with you. I'm gonna walk in obedience. I'm gonna walk in faith. I'm going to live in a state of repentance. It doesn't mean feeling bad all of the time. Repentance actually grows you. It makes you closer to Jesus. It develops an intimacy with him because he knows everything and you've allowed him to see everything. See, James 4, 8 says, come close to God and he will come close to you. And some of you may feel like, well, Kim, I have sinned so much. I've messed up so much that I don't even think God would would want to come near to me if I came near. But this is the truth. Come close to God. You take a step towards him of repentance and he comes to you. He embraces you. And then it says, wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. And I'm afraid that we live in a culture and in a state where the church and Christians are very much divided between God and the world. I just watched one of my friend's Insta stories in between services. And she had posted just, she's a pastor too. Her and her husband are pastors and they had, she had posted something on her Insta story that a lot of Christians didn't like. And they just let her have it. And she just said, are you counting your fruit? Is what that is coming out of you the mark of Jesus Christ? Is it something that's fruit? Or is it poison? Is it anger? Is it hate? See, church, this is the time for repentance. And it's really easy. I see a lot. Well, this politician needs to repent. This politician needs to repent. They need to repent. And we're pointing a lot of fingers when what God is saying to us, the body of Christ, believers, he is saying, it's time for you to repent. It's time for you to do the hard work in your own heart. It's time for you to get before me and be in my presence and experience my holiness. And and I don't know about you, but I need Jesus really desperately right now. Y'all are an amazing church. But if I don't have Jesus, there's no way, there's no way Mel and I could lead you right now. In this season, no amount of wisdom, no amount of knowledge could lead people through this season. We need Jesus. You need Jesus. And our staff, this isn't something, this isn't a message that we get up and say, you guys do this. We're constantly saying to our staff, to ourselves, you need to do this. Humble yourselves. Repent. Seek God. Pray. See, anytime we're in the presence of Jesus, it should create such awe and wonder of how holy he is and how much we desperately need him. The beauty of this is Jesus took the wrath for our sin. And we are in personal relationship with him. When we're daily coming before him and and gaining his heart for people and seeing things through his eyes. And we can say, I am righteous because he is righteous. 
I am holy because he is holy. I can give grace and mercy because he gave grace and mercy to me. When we are in this place of prayer and seeking his face and repentance, we're doing what Jesus did. He was constantly in prayer. He was always before his father saying, Lord, I can't, God, I can't do this, but help me. I'm so thankful for the price that Jesus paid for us. Further on in 2 Chronicles 7, we get to 19 through 21. So God gives them instructions of humble yourself, seek, pray, seek face, and repent. And then I will hear from heaven, I will hear your land. But then he gives them a warning. And he says to Solomon, but if you or your descendants abandon me and disobey the decrees and commands I have given you, and if you serve and worship other gods, then I will uproot the people from this land that I have given them. I will reject this temple that I have made holy to honor my name. I will make it an object of mockery and ridicule among the nations. And though this temple is impressive now, all who pass by will be appalled. They will ask, why did the Lord do such terrible things to this land and to this temple? And the answer will be, because his people abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who brought them out of Egypt, and they worshiped other gods instead of bowed down to them, and that is why he has brought all these disasters on them. And when I read this, it sits heavy on me. Because I do believe we are at one of the most critical times in my lifetime as Christ followers. I do believe that God is saying, calling us higher, that he's calling us out to live like him. And church, let it not be so that is said of us, the church in 2020 refused to humble themselves. They refused to seek my face. They refused to pray. They refused to, to do everything I've called them to do. See, we are the temple. First Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. Don't you realize your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. And it's not just talking about our physical state, it's talking about our soul man, our spirit man. We are to honor God with every fiber of our being because we host him. He is, we are his temple and we do not belong to ourselves. I think you would probably all agree that when we look at the United States of America right now, it is on fire. I even have friends in other countries that they're just watching on their tiptoes at America self-destruct. 
The nation is on fire. We've never been more divided, and that shows in the election. So here is our responsibility. We get set ablaze for Jesus. We be the hope of the world. No politician, no human, nothing else is going to be the hope of the world except the body of Christ. We are the hope bringers. We are the healers. We are the messengers that God chose to put on this earth right now in this season. And you have a purpose and a calling to do everything that he has purposed for you. He wants your heart set ablaze for him and him alone. Hebrews 12, 29 says, since we're receiving a kingdom that's unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe, for our God is a devouring fire. God is still on the throne. He is, he will forever be, and news alert, Jesus wins. He is already one. He has not removed himself. And he is calling on us to be the difference. Firefighters, when they are fighting wildfires, I'm clearly not a firefighter, so I had to study about this. But they will create a fire line. And what they do is they go in manually and they dig down to the soil and they remove a, a line, a wide line of any debris or anything that can catch fire. They get rid of all of the rubble and all of the things that can turn into flame. And they, it cuts off a supply of fuel so the fire that's raging will stop. And what Mel and I believe right now is that our church is to be a fire line. Our church is to be united no matter what side of the fence we're on. And we are to be a fire line as our city and our county and our world and our state is ablaze that we as believers purify our hearts. We pray, we seek his face, we let the Holy Spirit burn our hearts and purify our hearts and we get set ablaze for the glory of God and we get united and we become the fire line that when the fire comes close, that we are the stop. But we can only be that when we've done these things. See, I believe that we can see the greatest move of God that this world has ever seen. I hear like my grandparents, they would talk about, my papa would just weep and my 
My mama would just weep, telling stories about how their parents just experienced these radical moves of God. I believe that we could see the same. I believe we can see racial tension come to a stop where believers love and are unified. I believe that we can see our hearts set ablaze for the glory of God. I believe that we can see thousands come to know Jesus Christ. I believe that we can see the deaf hear and the lame walk. I believe we can see the blind to see. I believe all of those things it starts with us it starts with me saying God do what you want however you want even if it means I'm wrong help me love like you love see when when the disciples when they face such persecution and and thousands came to know Jesus And in the upper room, when they were all together and it it says they were unified, they were unified in one heart and one spirit and tongues of fire came upon them and then they went out to the ends of the earth to spread his name. I truly believe that we are at a crossroads of choosing who we believe. That we get to choose this day who we will serve. And you'll be known by your fruit and we'll be known by our love. And one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Our prayer is make us one so that we can influence this culture. Start with me. Our prayer is set my heart ablaze, God. Purify me. Cleanse me of anything in my life. I'm crazy enough to believe that kids in this room can go in their schools and lead their friends to Jesus because they're carrying his presence. I'm crazy enough to believe that teenagers in this room can experience the presence of God and come to such a place of repentance that they go to their athletics and their dances and their all of the things and they carry the presence of Jesus and lead people to Jesus. I'm crazy enough to believe that young adults can go into their colleges and in their workplaces and carry the presence of Jesus and lead people to Jesus. I'm crazy enough to believe that moms and dads are on their knees, that your kids, may your kids see you pray. Have your kids ever seen you pray? Other than at the dinner table, have they ever seen you open your Bible? Other than at Christmas, I'm crazy enough to believe that grandmas and grandpas will come to know him, that they will experience everything that they've been praying for. 
God, make us a fire line. Start with me. I just want everyone in here to bow your heads and close your eyes. I just want to pray over us. Oh, God. None of this is a surprise to you. I'm thankful for that. I put faith and hope and trust in that, that none of this is a surprise to you. 2020 is not a surprise to you. You are not sitting up in heaven, scratching your head. You are in control. And God, you're asking us today to seek you. You're asking us today to seek your face, to humble ourselves, to pray, to repent. God, we want our land healed. I know you need to heal us first, God. So we're asking that of you today. I just want everyone to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed and no one looking around, but I realize that there may be some of you in here today that you say, Kim, I, I've never followed Jesus. <clears throat> Maybe you grew up in church, but it's just not something you ever really committed to personally. And you say today, like, I need Jesus. I need a savior. I want to follow him. Or maybe you once followed him, but you you really have turned away from living for him and you just want to recommit your life today and choose to be a follower of Jesus. And if you're either one of those, just would love for you to raise your hand and I would love to pray with you today. Yeah, I see you on the right. You can put your hand down. everyone would just repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I need you. I need a Savior. Forgive me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for setting me free. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to walk for you and with you all of the days of my life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Well, if you made that decision today, we are so proud of you, whether you're watching online or here in this room, we would love to resource you and get you some materials and just get you in community. And so if you made that decision today, you can text the word different to 94,000. There's also a salvation card in the seat back, so you can feel free to drop that off as you leave today. But I just want you all to hold steady for a second. Um, I just, I've asked the other services the same thing, and you know, now isn't the time to be ashamed of our faith. Now isn't the time we have to be unashamed. And and I'm not asking you to raise your hand if, if you don't mean it, because I, I don't want you to do that. This isn't manipulation. But for any of you in here that just say, Kim, I want to be part of the fire line. I want 
God to burn within me more than anything else. If you just raise your hand today, and I just we're just going to pray corporately. Thank you for, for raising your hands. I appreciate that. So what I want you to do, whether you're comfortable or not, I just want you to put your hands in a receiving position, in a position, in a posture. I want you to pray at your seat for yourself and say, God, humble me, purify me. I repent of my ways. And then I'm also gonna pray over you corporately, but I want you to make sure that you're praying that for yourself as well today. So let me pray over us. God, we need you. We need your presence. Jesus, our nation needs you. We pray as Christ followers that we would work, walk worthy of the calling that you have placed on each and every one of us. I pray that you would humble our hearts, that you would show us the ways that aren't pleasing to you or how we've treated people that aren't pleasing to you, God. I pray that, Lord Jesus, you would heal our own hearts, that you would help us to love like you love. I pray that, God, that you would just forgive us of the times that we have not represented you well. Lord, we repent of the sin in our hearts and the law in our lives. We ask you to forgive us and to heal us and to cleanse us and to purify us. God, make us one. Help us to love like you love. Jesus, let it be done. Help us to be a fire line. Help us to see your glory be made known on this earth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, if you're watching online today, I just want to thank you for joining us. If you need prayer for any reason, you can submit your prayer request to prayer at summitpa.church. Or if you're watching at live.summitpa.church, our prayer team is there waiting to pray with you. Just click on the live chat. But we love you. We're so thankful you've joined us, and we hope you have a wonderful day.